1: You're listening to the MLS multiplex podcast with contributors from mlsmultiplex.com.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS multiplex podcast. Uh, kind of as usual drew here with Josh and Connor. Um, but unlike usual, we have our new friend on of the website. Uh, Dan Garza from the website MLS Multiflex is on to join us to talk all things MLS Cup playoffs, make predictions, talk awards, and just get ready for the MLS postseason. Um, but before we get to Dan and get to hear all of his predictions, want to check in on you guys. Josh, how how is your week this week?
3: It's been good so far. Only a couple days have passed by since our last recording of a podcast so i can't really say that uh that much has happened uh truthfully now that i really think about it over the last couple of days nothing nothing has really happened for me Watched the u.s play today that was cool but other than that it was, a, it was a pretty slow weekend especially as sports go a lot of the leagues are not really happening right now so nothing nothing much for me connor how was your week or your few days your weekend i guess
1: yeah, it's basically just been a weekend, uh, and you say play, but it was really a practice, a glorified practice uh, against Panama, but yeah, I'm doing decent, uh, I got a couple little weeks that are not as packed, and then I'm going to be beaten with a hammer with the amount of work that I'm about to get from school, uh, so trying to get that done ahead of time, but yeah, it's been decent. Uh Dan, how are you doing? And give us a bit of a bio about who you are and who you support and all the stuff that us or the listeners would need to hear.
4: Yeah. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, excited about today's US, USA win. Uh, so the team I support is LAFC. I'm actually from Detroit. So I support Detroit City FC, but they're obviously not in uh, MLS. So I adopted LAFC as my team. Um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the main team I focus on. I also like covering uh, Philadelphia Union. They're kind of my Eastern Conference club. So,
1: yep, okay, that's so, uh, what I cover. So, what are your thoughts on the throwback Red Wings jersey that was announced today?
4: I thought it was one of the worst ones. Like, I, I just I just did not like it. <laughs> like the Mighty Ducks one was bad, but the Red Wings one wasn't much better. So,
1: yeah. As a Toronto fan, I can agree uh, yeah. because ours was not any better. Uh, Canucks one, Drew, what did you think of the Canucks one, even if you saw that?
2: I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the gradient look in any team, and it's not the worst one. It's a solid middle-of-the-road jersey for the league. I've seen some worse ones. I've seen some better ones, but I'm not too crazy. I love the Canucks color scheme, like the whole green and blue, I'm a big fan of. So it was pretty mediocre, retro Is it a retro jersey? I don't even know what you call what they just released.
1: It had a fancy name. It was like retro something. Uh, Reverse retro. Reverse retro was what it was called. Uh, Whatever that means. So the Colorado Avalanche are wearing Quebec Nordiques jerseys, and the Carolina Hurricanes are wearing Hartford Whalers jerseys, which for non-hockey fans, those two teams used to play in those two cities before they got moved. Why aren't the um, Winnipeg but, Jets wearing Thrasher's
3: jerseys? Yeah, that's my question.
1: And why aren't the Calgary because Flames
2: wearing Atlanta Flames jerseys? What is this?
1: They kind of are, if you've ca- seen I the think, design.
2: Ca- I do not like Calgarys at all. Those are weird. I
1: really like Calgarys. I think I'm I on an
2: unpopular cool. opinion of that.
1: I've. It's been very, very divided, but we should not talk about hockey because that's not who people are here to listen to. <laughs> and Josh just sits there blank. Faced as we talk about stuff, the Washington Capitals. Um,
3: Ilya Kovalchuk, best player of all time.
1: Ilya Kovalchuk. That's that's. I'd say it's a throwback, but he's still playing. I know, so I got to pick the uh, Capitals. Technically a free agent, though. Yeah. Technically still a free agent. Uh, But let's dive into some Americans abroad, and we'll start with the women's soccer uh, because there was a banger scored by Tobin Heath. That goal was just absolutely insane Uh, in the Manchester City, Manchester United, Manchester Derby, uh, where they drew two to two. Uh, I didn't personally get to watch the game. I don't know if any of you did. I assume drew as the resident women's soccer expert. uh, You watched it. So what were your thoughts on how City United played? How did the North Americans do? And I noticed that you threw in the document, Rose Lavelle didn't play.
2: She did not. I actually did not throw that in the dock. I think yeah, Josh it was threw it in there. Did you get to watch any of the game, Josh? It was a pretty, it was an early riser. It was like 7.30 in the morning.
3: Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't catch any of it. I was just sort of following along the last, like, 20 minutes or so on, on Twitter. And so I saw a lot of people complaining about Rose Lavelle not making it onto the field. Apparently she was a healthy scratch. A lot of people seem to think that City's manager was kind of galaxy-braining the situation. So that's kind of lame because I think it would have been fun to watch her tear up Manchester United. But at least, at least we got Tobin Heath's fantastic goal. Oh, my gosh. That was so satisfying to watch. Could not stop watching it.
2: Yeah, that was a banger. I thought she played really well. Sam Mewis, I don't think Sam Mewis got a full 90, but I think she got subbed off toward the later part of the match. Kristen Press got subbed off before Tobin Heath's goal. Um, but I thought they played well. I think United came back from being down 2-0 and Heath's. Goal kind of sparked the United's comeback. Uh, Dan, I guess another question: What like do you have a European team that you support?
4: Yeah, I'm a Bayern Munich uh, supporter. Yes. We got two. Good, of you guys. another one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Why are you a Bayern fan?
4: I don't know. I just got into them. Uh, one of the first teams I ever watched, so I just kind of kept following them. I guess. So, uh, not nothing too like romantic about it, but yeah.
1: <laughs> honestly fair if it weren't for davies i wouldn't be a barn fan um but yeah i think watching the north americans like now you have chris richard too uh, he did play today correct
3: yeah he came on at the end uh, in the
1: panama match yeah yeah so having somebody like that who's what 18 19 playing on one of the biggest clubs in the world who manuel fate who we had on the podcast a little while ago is saying like because they have Chris Richards, they might, it might just be able to release Boateng and Alaba if they aren't able to come to agreements because he's good enough. Uh, which, that would be insane, having two North Americans on the best team in Europe's backline. That'd be nuts. Uh, but let's talk about that U.S.-Panama game. And a bit, <laughs> I don't know how much you can really take away from it because... Panama were not good. Uh, but what did you guys sort of think of the performances that some of the younger players like Gaviacchini and Reyna and McKinney and Dest and Reggie Cannon got into the starting 11? So, what did you sort of think about their performances and how do you think this sort of shapes up for the U.S. wins National Team going forward? Can you really take a lot out of this game in general?
2: I'm not taking a whole lot out of this game. Like I think you said, Connor, it kind of felt like it was just a big practice session. Although when the U.S. went down 1-0, I almost freaked out. But then I was impressed by the way they came back. Um, and anytime you score six goals in a game, that's something to be happy about. But I think mainly for me, just the fact that these young European stars that like everyone talks so much about, right, um, with the exception of Pulisic and Sargent got to be on the field together. We got to see Reyna playing with Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. And it feels like we don't get to see that a whole lot. It feels like when you watch the U.S. men's national team, um, either those guys are hurt or they're just you know not available for selection for whatever reason or it's all you know just an MLS camp. So I'm not taking a whole lot from this individual game itself just because I thought Panama was really bad. Um, I thought 6-2 was a fair scoreline. Um, but I'm just happy that we got to see them play It feels crazy that we somehow got men's national team games in during this crazy time. Um, So I'm not taking a whole lot away from it. Just good to see these guys playing with one another. Um, I thought Weston McKinney played really well across both games. Um, I thought Sebastian Soto got two assists today. So I thought he played really well. That was kind of a nice surprise. Um, I'm not taking a whole lot from today's game. Just really good to see these young European players that we hear so much about taking the field together for really the first time in what feels like forever um dan what about you what are you taking away from the us's win versus panama
4: today yeah i think the biggest takeaway for me was just the battle for that number nine spot uh i thought both soto and giacchini played really well today but uh i think you know you still have Sargent who wasn't with the team uh for these friendlies so i think it just makes it a lot more interesting to see kind of what's going to happen because they're all 20 uh right now so they still have a long way to go in their careers and uh, i think you have to say is still the top option but I still think that uh, you know Soto and Giochini maybe could displace him, depending on what happens to them the next few years before the next World Cup. So that's, that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this, is just that continued battle to find that number nine. Uh, I, I think after these performances, you could say that all the players that uh, you could consider for that spot are all from Europe. I'm not sure if there's really an MLS player right now that you could consider for that, for that role. I think you know Sergeant Soto, Giochini... Guys like that are going to be competing for that uh, starting role uh, for the big tournaments coming up.
1: Greg Burlhalter's head just exploded without you mentioning Jassy Zardes.
4: <laughs> I, I'm,
3: a- yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Zardes had a really good season, but I mean, like I said, these guys are all 20 years old, and I just think Giacchini and Soto probably have bigger opportunities ahead of them. And uh, I think they'll both be playing for for teams in top divisions in Europe, so.
3: Yeah, I would pick Zardes as my striker if the U.S. had to play a qualifying game tomorrow. By the way, over all of these players, <laughs> but I'm I'm a little I think I'm a little different from you guys from how I took away from this game because the young guys that did show up and perform like Giacchini and Soto, I think it's really really big that they took advantage of their opportunity because coming into this camp, I think if you were to just talk to a casual USMNT fan, not like a civilian who only watches World Cups, but like someone who kind of follows soccer and will know most of the names on the team. You know, they'll know Polišic and, and the, the big the big names. But if you were going to say to them on Wednesday before any of these games were played, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Sebastian Soto and Nicholas Giacchini playing, they'd probably look at you like, who are these guys? So the fact that these guys got onto the field today... Scored, took advantage of their opportunities. That was exciting to me. I had a blast watching Sebastian Soto score his two goals because this is exactly what he did for the U-20s last summer in the U-20 World Cup. So for him to just carry that over was really good, especially for a player that he's only playing in the second division in Netherlands right now, I think it is. So he's not really in like a big league. And yeah, Panama's team was pretty trash today, honestly. But... That didn't feel like a practice session. At least I hope Weston McKinney isn't two-footing other players in practice sessions <laughs> like he did today. There were just a few moments that were really conca even for it being a lesser team. But it's good to see Soto taking advantage. Also, Richard Ledesma, he had the assist on the fourth goal, Soto's first goal. He uh, crossed it into the box perfectly, set up Soto for the header. So that was really good because Ledesma's not getting a ton of playing time at PSV right now. And he's so far in his little cameo appearances for PSV and the U.S., he's got two assists, so that's really exciting to see.
1: So I'm just going to be blatantly like completely honest. I hadn't heard of uh, Giochini or Soto or any of those guys coming into today's match. So for people like me who may not necessarily follow the U.S. development system incredibly closely, as I follow Canada a little bit closer... Where do these guys play? What do you say are the likelihoods of them actually being good players? Josh, you know prospects, so why don't you take this?
3: So as far as Nicholas Giacchini goes, I don't actually know too much about him. He is playing in the second division in France for I don't I think is it is it Kine? Kane? C A E N. Con. Khan. Yeah. There you go. So he's he's playing for them, but he's getting regular minutes. So that's good, even though it is the second division. In France, which is obviously not one of the stronger leagues. Soto, he is on loan from... Is it? I might get him confused with someone else. Is his parent club Norwich City right now?
4: Yeah, it's Norwich Right, yeah. so
3: he's on loan, but he's only in the second division in Netherlands. But he's been playing with the U20s a lot. He played with them last summer, so I know him from that. And he was really good for the U20s. I think he was the team's leading scorer last summer. So he's obviously doing pretty well. So at least those two guys... Dan, it sounds like you know a good bit about these players as well. Tell us about, you know, Ledesma. Uh, who else made an impact today? I'm trying to think of
1: Tim Way. Yeah, Tim Way is another one. one
3: too. Tell us, tell, tell us about yeah. that, Dan.
4: Yeah, so I mean, Giacchini's, uh, you know, like I said, playing in the second division. Um, he started out at Cannes, where he still plays right now. Uh, It sounds like he has some interest maybe from uh, other clubs in France. There's just been like transfer rumors at this point, nothing concrete. So he seems like a pretty promising prospect uh, from Khan. And uh, yeah, I definitely think he'll be a player that moves on to a bigger opportunity, maybe at the end of the season, because I think he has like three goals and seven appearances so far. So he's done really well at the start of the season. So I think he'll get noticed for that. Um, And then Soto... I mean, he's at Norwich, uh He's on loan at Telstar from Norwich, but uh, I know. Oh man, I can't remember the the club he played for before this. Um, I think it might have been Fulham that he was he was on, but he never you know played for the senior team. So he's kind of struggled to find minutes uh, for for first teams. So he's been kind of a, a player that hasn't really performed at the club level as he as he has at uh, the international level. But uh, he's been doing really well so far for Telstar. I think he has five goals and six appearances. So, uh, yeah, maybe he'll make the move to Norwich uh, next season, and that'll kind of give us a better picture of where he's at uh, in terms of the the depth chart for the U.S. once he gets to a higher level.
3: I just looked at it, and he's from uh, Hanover. That's the team he was at before. And I do remember he was trying to get that move after the U-20s, after his performance, and that's how he got to Norwich. Yeah.
1: It's certainly looking like there are more and more options at Stryker for the U.S. program, and I wonder how much of an impact this little set of friendlies has on a potential Ayo Canola joining the U.S. national team instead of the Canadian national team, and whether or not Soto and Gioacchini and Wea and the, like all their performances potentially impact where he thinks he'll get the most playing time. Uh, but I'm very interested to see that.
3: One other thing that we have to keep in mind is because of the pandemic, a bunch of tournaments that were supposed to happen this summer are not happening next summer so you've got the olympic team that the us has to worry about i think the u-17s have a significant tournament next summer on top of gold cup and world cup qualifying next year so it's good that all this depth is showing up but some of these younger guys playing in today's game i doubt we'll see this many younger players with the senior team going forward just because there are so many tournaments happening next summer and it's good. these guys are going to have to get spread out
4: amongst the teams Yeah, next year is going to be crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But they definitely have a multitude of options, especially when you look at some potential MLS options, uh, which we should talk about now. Uh, Daryl DK, who was nominated for the Young Player of the Year Award. Uh, I guess we can just dive into the awards now. We can start with the Young Player of the Year Award, which was announced today. Diego Rossi won it. Um, I say not surprising, but... I definitely could have seen this going to Brandon Aronson, and the vote was incredibly tight. I think it was only separated by, like, two decimal points, which, all things considered, that's crazy. Uh, But what did you guys sort of pick for... Like, who did you think was going to win Young Player of the Year? Uh, I mentioned Daryl DK, Josh, maybe you can go first because that was your pick. Uh, Why did you go with him as opposed to Diego Rossi, who scored more goals than... Daryl and Brendan Aronson who has secured a move away to Arby Salzburg. Couple
3: factors. So yes, Rossi and Aronson are the favorites, but I picked Daryl DK because he kinda came out of nowhere over the summer. Uh, I also sort of knew him from like Matt Doyle's been um he's been bragging about this guy since he was coming out of college before the season started. So when Orlando picked him up, I was kind of interested in what he would do. He played well, got eight goals, four assists in 1,200 minutes, uh, a little more than 1,200 minutes. So that's pretty solid. But honestly, one of the main reasons I picked DK is because this used to be the rookie of the year award, and it would have gone to players in their first professional season, in which case DK would have been the runaway winner. So I I felt kind of bad. This is my way of sagging my guilt Felt kind of bad that he didn't get the chance to win the award because he got stuck with all these other fantastic young players. So they, they probably should have had a Young Player of the Award, uh, a Young Player of the Year Award by now. It, this is kind of an overdue change, but he kind of got uh, shafted as a result.
2: Yeah. So Daryl DK, you don't get Rookie of the Year officially, but you get Rookie of the Year in Josh's book on the podcast. So good for Daryl. Um, but I kind of chickened out. I picked Brendan Aronson. Obviously, we know how good of a player he is. I think when I think about the pick, I I feel like it had to go to Rossi because how would you not give the Golden Boot winner Young Player of the Year award? Like I would have given it to Aronson, but i totally get Rossi, um, even though, Josh, we've had our Diego Rossi talks on this podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Brent Aronson, we know how good he is. He's not the same player as Diego Rossi. Um, he's not putting in the goals that he is, but he's so influential to the union. And I think... When you look at the Philadelphia Union successful 2020 winning the Shield first trophy in club history, Brendan Aronson, at only 20 years old, is very central to that, along with a lot of other really good players, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we get more into the awards. And also, he's younger than Diego Rossi, so I gave him that edge. I think Rossi's 22, 23 or something like that. So 22. Between the, he's 22. Okay, cool. So between Aronson being a couple years younger and being on a shield-winning club, that gave me the edge. But again, Rossi winning Golden Boot, how do you not give it to him? Um, but I went with Brendan Aronson. Uh, Dan, you've come out as an LAFC supporter, so I imagine you picked yeah. Rossi, but why? What, what, what went into you picking Diego Rossi for your Young Player of the Year winner?
4: Yeah, I mean, aside from, from getting the Golden Boot, uh, I think without Carlos Vela in the lineup, he really stepped up and led the way uh, offensively for the team in the MLS's back tournament, and then obviously when uh, the regular season started, he uh he didn't stop scoring either so that, that was one of my reasons i think for picking him too is just that uh you know without vela that really hurts them but uh he came in and stepped up and, and really delivered consistently too so and not for that i just think he's the best under 23 player in the mls right now uh, in terms of what the league uh has in terms of the young talent so yeah, know I, I definitely think though that uh this is probably his last season in mls I, I think he'll make a move somewhere in the winter
2: Quick question: Do they have qualifications for what defines young player of the year? Was it like you had to be under twenty three or something like that?
4: Is defined?
3: Uh, yeah, yes. Defined as a player and she, under. yeah born on or after gotcha. January first, nineteen ninety eight. Gotcha. God, Man, that's
1: only two years older than me. I
2: know. We're stuck <laughs> wow. here on a Monday night recording an MLS podcast. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brendan up. stuck going to here.
1: <laughs> stuck here. Wow. Okay. I feel appreciated. <laughs> I'm sure Dan feels appreciated as well. <laughs> if here. Red
2: Bull Salzburg was offering millions of dollars for me to play soccer for them in Europe, I would gladly leave the podcast is what I'm saying. Connor. <laughs> and I know <laughs> I we think all would. But I was he, gonna say, he, I Even think if Breckshay came out? <laughs> that
4: either might be Breckshay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're going to talk about Breckshay in a second, but first I got to give my pick. Uh, I followed in Dan's footsteps and selected D- Diego Rossi, not Rossi, Rossi. I've been Um, saying Rossi, haven't I? Yes, you have. That's probably
3: the correct pronunciation since he's of Italian descent. What? Right? Want to be Rossi? I don't know. I don't speak Italian.
1: He's Uruguayan.
3: Yeah. Oh, so, never mind. I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to. What is happening? (laughs) Remember that episode on Spongebob? He can be be of multiple nationalities and ethnicities and backgrounds. He doesn't have to be just Uruguayan. He can have Italian family. He has an Italian passport. All right,
1: let's move on. Okay, d- Josh, you're just digging you dig yourself he's a hole. He's got an here. Italian passport. You're digging yourself a hole. Oh,
3: my gosh. That's why he's going right, so to I the an Italian team. Just saying.
1: I went with Diego Rossi because, A, he scored a lot of goals. But I could definitely see an argument for Brandon Aronson. And I'll tell you why. LAFC, without Carlos Vela, finished seventh right? Diego Rossi's supposed to carry that team. Even without Carlos Vela, they should be a top three team in the West. Fair in saying that?
3: Yes. I, I think so. Vela's yeah. not as important as he seems. It's it's Westa it's, it's <laughs> Oh,
1: God. Okay. Well, uh, all right. <laughs> um, my argument is Diego Rossi, not, he's supposed to carry his team. And to be completely honest, he kind of didn't. They finished in seventh in the West, almost out of the playoffs. And meanwhile, Brendan Aronson carried his team, albeit with guys like Sergio Santos uh, and the multitude of players that Philadelphia have, carried them to an MLS supporter shield, if we're calling it that again. I don't really know what MLS is calling it. But, it's basically, my argument is, Brandon Aronson performed better this season, and he's younger. And he's expected to do, I guess not as well as Diego Rossi. So I could definitely see the argument for Brendan Aronson, but I think Diego Rossi winning the golden boot, it was self-explanatory. As I feel like the next selection and the next award is, should be, although Josh and Drew both disagree with me again, Um, goalkeeper of the year I'm talking about and Andre Blake the goalkeeper for Philadelphia Union won it this season it's the second award uh, goalkeeper of the year award since 2016 Uh, 21 is first but I guess I'll start with Josh Uh, yeah let's start with Josh again and we'll finish with actually looking at this I was the only one who picked the winner wow okay Josh, why don't you go first and maybe throw it off to Dan because he had a similar pick, but who did you pick for goalkeeper of the year?
3: I just want to point out that Diego Rossi is of Italian descent. I thought you should know that. (laughs) I I just confirmed it. That's what I've spent this last couple minutes doing, so I'm not wrong. (laughs) Sorry, I'm still on that. I picked Eloy Room as goalkeeper of the year. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew I knew Andre Blake was going to win. I guess is probably also why I picked room. Um, But yeah, no. Honestly, though, like Eloy Room, he just he had a really good season. You know, I remember he had a great uh, Gold Cup last summer with Curacao, and that helped him get the transfer to Columbus. I actually wasn't really expecting him to win that job when he first got there, but he promptly locked it down. We all know Columbus kind of kind of fizzled out towards the end of last season, but he's been really important for them this season. He's easily one of their best players up there with Nagby and Zellerion and Zardes. So thought he was a, thought he was a good choice. Obviously I think Andre Blank is the, the obvious choice among the the finalists, but I felt like Eloy room deserved a shout.
2: Yeah, I went a little different route, but when I look when I put on the outline who I picked, I picked Matt Turner from the New England Revolution. But I think it was pretty clear-cut that it was going Andre Blake. I think when you look at the voting percentage, his was, like, astronomically better than anyone else's voting percentages between uh, media players and I forgot what the other voting category was. But Andre Blake totally took it away, and I thought he deserved so. But I thought Matt Turner deserved a shout. I think he finished in second. In the voting, um, he came out with six shutouts and made 68 saves. And I'm thinking about, because right, Andre Blake obviously on a super good team, really good defense in Philadelphia. And the Revolution aren't the best defense in the league. I'm looking up exactly how many goals they let up this season right now. Um, But even though the defense in front of him wasn't that incredible, I thought he still played really well. um, And it was a big part in them kind of holding on to one of these final few Playoff spots. Um, So I think Andre Blake winning it is very deserved. I thought he was the best goalkeeper of the league, but I thought Matt Turner deserved a good shout. And they only let in 25 goals this year, and I think a lot of that was because of Matt Turner. Um, And, again, Andre Blake had that really good defense in front of him, but Matt Turner kind of worked with what he had to make uh, New England a pretty good defense. So I picked Matt Turner, but, again, totally understand Andre Blake winning the award. Um, Dan, I know you picked – a room as well, along with Josh. So why did you go the same route as Josh for goalkeeper of the year?
4: Yeah, I, I think he was a big part of why Columbus turned it around this season. Uh, he didn't play very much last season. I think he only made twelve appearances, and this season he made seventeen, so a little bit more. But he was he was pretty fantastic. I think in in some of the big wins for them. I know recently when they beat the Philadelphia Union, uh, he made a, some really big saves in that game. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he's uh, third in the league in. Clean sheets, tied for third in clean sheets, and he was uh, fourth in clean sheet clean sheet percentage, and then uh, second in save percentage. So he had some really good stats this season as well to back that up. But uh yeah, I think he's definitely under the uh, conversation for being one of the top goalkeepers, even though if he didn't, the league didn't think he uh, he deserved it this season. Um, he's definitely definitely one of the top goalkeepers in the
1: league now, one hundred percent. And if his performance against Philadelphia doesn't show that. I don't know what does. He was spectacular in that game, but I did not go with Eli room. I went with the winner. I went with Andre Blake, uh, simply because I look at the last few matches that Philadelphia had and how it was a lot tighter and they let in a few more goals. I think, um, it just sort of made it very clear how important Andre Blake was to that team and how crucial he was to the Philadelphia unions success. Uh, now while the Revolution and crew both had very good seasons as well uh, both playoff teams Philadelphia as I'm going to say over and over they were just simply the best team in the league and that is coming from a Toronto FC fan so it's very clear that the best goalkeeper in the league plays for the best team in my opinion and he won that award Uh, I think it's fair to say, and it's, it's deserved, I'd say, based on his performance this season and how well he's played. Uh, but let's move on to the final award that has been given out or awarded already slash an winner announced. Uh, and that is the comeback player of the year. The winner being Bradley Wright Phillips, former New York Red Bull, now current LAFC player. Uh, so, so far Dan's LAFC are running away with all of the awards but who did you guys pick we're going to finish with Josh because he went a little outside the box um, so why don't we start with Drew because you also went sort of outside the box in comparison to Dan and I
2: yeah I uh, went with a defender the old old guys in defense I went with Milton Valenzuela he missed all or a lot of 2019 after I think it was an ACL, just an injury kept him out for most of the year. And he came back this year um, and helped Columbus be what they are behind. I think they're the best defense in the league. They've let in 21 goals. Them in Nashville are right there for best defense in the league. And I don't think that can happen without him. Uh, yeah, he's defenseman's championships. And he's built Columbus into being one of, if not the best defense in the league after missing all of 2019 or a lot of 2019, so he doesn't get a lot of headlines because the defender, he's not going to steal the show with incredible goals, but the old saying is yeah, the best defenders don't have to defend, and he doesn't really have to do a whole lot because he just knows where to be in the right spots, and he works well with the defense, and obviously it's working out for Columbus, only letting in 21 goals this year. So I gave him a shout, giving the whole defense giving the defense some credit, so I went with Valenzuela. Uh, Connor, who did you pick for your comeback player of the year?
1: I selected the winner, Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, I think the story that he had getting, I believe he was cut or just his contract wasn't renewed with a team that he'd been with for quite a few years in New York Red Bull. I think that story of what he had to go through to get a contract or a trial even at LAFC and then to become a member of them and then what he accomplished this season I think is incredibly deserving. And I know Dan picked a, uh, the same player. So someone is as someone who follows LAFC, maybe you can go into a bit more detail into what makes this story so special. But why did you pick Bradley Wright Phillips?
4: I picked him because I think when LAFC first signed him, their main objective was just to bring in someone uh, with experience, but they weren't necessarily looking for Bradley Wright Phillips to come in and be the, uh, the main starter for them uh, up top. Because they already had uh, Adama Diamande, who had a pretty good season in 2019. So I think they're looking to rotate Wright Phillips with Diamande. Uh, Diamande obviously left this season, so Bradley Phillips became the main option. But yeah, I, I don't think the expectation for him was ever to to be one of the, the leaders in terms of goal scoring. I think they really were looking uh, for him to be more of a bench player, because I, I did think that the front office saw him as a player who wasn't at his best anymore. Uh, but he proved everyone wrong, and I mean, he was great in the MLS's back tournament. Uh, and he, he picked it up in the regular season as well, scoring some more goals. So, yeah, I, I just don't think the, the, he exceeded expectations because I don't think anyone really thought that he was going to be able to produce at the level uh, he once was able to, especially after last season. He only scored like two goals last season, and he did make over like 20 appearances, so it's not like he was, uh, wasn't getting opportunities last season. Uh, so it's just a great story all around to see a player like him who's won the Golden Boot twice uh, make a comeback and, and really kind of cement himself as one of the best strikers in the league again.
3: I just want to say before I mention my pick, I am super happy that BWP got the award. He's the first uh, player I ever interviewed, and he was very accommodating to me. He could tell I was inexperienced when I was was asking him questions. So <laughs> he was great. He's, he's such a great guy, a very nice person. But I selected a gentleman not in the final three, unfortunately, although I probably should have been in the final three. I picked Breck Shea. The, the fan favorite of the MLS multiplex slack. Uh, yeah. The yeah, the legend, Breck Shea. But honestly, though, objectively speaking, he had a really great season. He scored four goals for Inter Miami. Half of those were against former team Atlanta United, unfortunately, <laughs> but that's not important. <laughs> uh, and he did so in only 628 minutes, so it's not like uh, those four goals came from having played the whole season or anything. So he... It, Honestly, he ended up being a pretty important part for Miami and it obviously helped them get into the playoffs. Another thing that you know I, I realized as I was making my pick of the great Breck Shea, he hadn't scored since April 2018 up until September of this year. So really huge because he wasn't able to contribute in that way for Atlanta. And in that last year with Vancouver, obviously with having just scored in April, he didn't do much for the team down the stretch in terms of goal scoring. So for him to come back... And especially on a team where no one would have pegged him as an important player. I mean, this is Miami we're talking about. They've got the Matuides and the Higuaines and the gonzalez Pierces of the world and the the Pizarro's. So for Breck Shea, of all people, to come into that team and contribute significantly coming off of that ACL injury last season is really huge.
1: Can you tell us what that first interview with Bradley Phillips was like and how you ended up in that position?
3: I randomly got an email from a guy who this was? This was part of the All Star festivities in Atlanta in the summer of 2018. The guy just hit me up and was like, "Hey, we're going to have Bradley Wright Phillips and Greg Garza at this Coca Cola sponsored event for the All Star. You want to do some interviews?" And I was like, "Is this a joke?" Not really. <laughs> I did not say that back, but I honestly didn't believe what it was at first. But yeah, no, and I just it it just so happened that the interview happened. It was like just a few days after. Bradley Wright Phillips scored his 100th career MLS goal, so I got to ask him some questions about that and his past All Star experiences as well. So it was it was really cool. It was a really fun experience, and like I said, he was extremely accommodating to me.
1: Where can people find that interview?
3: It is on MLS Multiplex. If you, I'm pretty sure you can search All Star interview. You can probably just search Bradley Wright Phillips' name, and it should come up. But yeah, it's, it's on the website there somewhere.
1: All right, so go and read that and check out some great work on the MLS Multiplex website. and just shows how long Josh has been around. Um, I don't know if you're the longest tenured member at MLS Multiplex anymore, or still. Uh, I might be. But yeah, he might be the old man. Uh, he's the old man here, as far as I know, as long as uh, Dan isn't over 25?
4: 26. Ooh, yeah. there we go. Elder
1: Statesman. <laughs> All right. So I'm a child compared to you two. Um, But we have taken 37 minutes to get to the awards that haven't been announced yet. And we still have to go through every single playoff game. So (laughs) we're going to motor through these. Uh, If there are overlaps, which I think every single one of my picks so far. uh, Yeah, every single one of my picks for the rest of this is an overlap. Uh, So I won't do any sort of explanation. I'll just let these guys sort of take it away. But we'll start off with the award that everybody cares about. Uh, I say everybody, the only award that people care about, MVP. We'll start with, well, three of you have the same players. Actually, four of you have the same players. Drew, you just went outside the box a little because Josh took yours. So let's start with you. And then, yeah, we can just go throughout. But Drew, who did you pick? which will definitely not win the MLS MVP award.
2: Yeah, I was a little different from the gang. I went with Jordan Morris. I've kind of been on his bandwagon this whole season from MLS's back because when MLS's back, best 11 came out. He was not included in it um, because Diego Rossi plays that same position and he got the knocks. I think he won golden boot at the tournament as well in addition to the regular season. So I thought it was just really unfortunate that Jordan Morris did not get into that best 11. Um, But, yeah, an 18-game start, he's pulled up with 10 goals and 8 assists. So, I mean, he's averaging a goal or an assist per start, which is pretty incredible. And he's on a good team like Seattle. Um, Yeah, legit MLS Cup contenders, as it feels like they always are. And, yeah, I feel like even though given how good he is, he's kind of flown under the radar because Diego Rossi plays that same position. Um, so yeah, I think again, like Connor said, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to win the award given who everyone else picked, who I think is very justifiable and one of if not the best player in the league right now. Um, but yeah, I went with Jordan Morris. I think he's been Mr. Consistent for Seattle this year, and I think he's going to do it again in the playoffs. Uh, I guess Dan and Josh can tag team this one, but who did, I guess Josh, we'll start with you. Who did you pick for your MLS MVP award?
3: Yeah, I don't. I picked Alejandro Pozuelo. I don't have much to say about it. I think he was kind of just a, a front runner for a while, and uh, I think I think you guys can probably say a couple more meaning, meaningful things than me. But to me, just felt like Pusuelo was kind of the front runner of this. Although I do wish, I, I I guess in another year, Jordan Morris might have had more of a say. Although this whole year has been just insane in general. But yeah, I picked Pozuelo.
4: Yeah, I picked Pozzarella too, just because I think he was. I mean, he was pretty consistent this season. He had nine goals and ten assists. Uh, he, he might not be as, as like an uh, attractive playing style as like a guy like Rossi, who was also a nominee. But uh, I think too, you have to factor in that Toronto. Uh, you know, they finished uh, in a playoff spot near the top, and uh, you know, for LAFC they finished seventh. Uh, I think Connery mentioned earlier about how you know Rossi was supposed to be the go-to guy, but LAFC still finished seventh. So I think yeah, there's something to be said about that as well. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think Morris had a good season too. It was great to see him uh, uh, playing for Seattle there with Ladero too. They both had really good seasons, but I just think Pozzuolo, uh I mean, he-, he controls the game for Toronto a lot of times, and he's he's a really good uh, go-to player for them. So uh, that's why I-, I picked him.
1: Yeah, and the way I look at the award, if Toronto didn't have Puzzello, they would be nowhere near where they are now, and it's as simple as that. So. To that end, I think he is the most important player to his team and the most valuable player to his team and probably the league as well because apart from Carl's Vela, he's probably a top five talent. But let's move on to Defender of the Year where I will continue to not talk. Uh, We'll have Josh go last to represent my pick, but let's continue the theme of going Drew first. So Drew, who did you select as your Defender of the Year?
2: Yeah, kind of going to Connor's logic of having really good players play for really good teams as far as Defender of the Year goes. I'm going with a defender that is on the best defense in the league or one of the best defenses in the league. I know when we talk about other picks, um, we're kind of in the same boat here that we're all picking defenders from really good teams. But I went with Jonathan Mensah. Um, Yeah, Columbus Crew defender. Uh, Again, they've only led in 21 goals, best in the league. And I think he's played every minute so far this year. He started 23 games and played 2,070 minutes, which I'm not a math guy, so I don't know if that's 23 times 90. i going to assume that equals 2,070. Um, but, yeah, he's mis- been Mr. Consistent. He's been there. Josh is, like, tilting his head. I think he's trying to figure it out in his head. It's pretty impressive. If you get it while I finish talking, How many minutes do you say?
1: 2,070
2: across 23 games.
1: 2,070. 23 times 90.
2: Yeah, okay, yeah. So he's been on the field all the time for... Columbus, um, and again, really good team, best defense in the league. So, yeah, I think he deserves a shout. Um, and if he wins or not, I don't know. I think we have a really good other contender here as we keep talking. But yeah, I went with Jonathan Minta uh, for my Defender of the Year. Josh, who did you pick for? Well, no, we'll start with Dan because you,
4: Josh, and Connor are the same one. So, Dan, who did you pick for Defender of the Year? Yeah, I went with Mark McKenzie from Philadelphia. I thought uh, I thought he did really well. This is probably his best season in MLS so far. Uh, yeah, I think he was definitely the guy who anchored the back line for him uh, this season. Sounds like he might uh, be on the move to Europe, too. So he's definitely one of the promising uh, up-and-coming players in, in MLS and also for the U.S. men's national team. So, yeah, I, I just thought he had a good season. Nothing more than that.
3: <laughs> just to kind of piggyback off that for Mark McKenzie, you know, I remember... Last, I guess it was like June. He was really dealing with injuries to start the MLS season, and so he he lost his starting spot with the Union. It was Austin Trusty, and I want to say Jack Elliott, and they went off to the U20 World Cup. And mckenzie was still pretty much injured, but Todd Ramos went ahead and named him captain anyway, and gave him a couple chances in the tournament. Mackenzie did not look good. Did not look good in that tournament. So since then, he has clearly battled back, he's improved, he's learned from his experiences, and he's just grown into a great young player. So I, I my hat is off to him for getting over that adversity of those injuries and losing his starting spot, and to now he's in the running for Defender of the Year, and like Dan said, it looks like he's going to get a move to Europe. So props to him, super impressive, makes me feel really good about having him with the U.S. going forward. But my pick, I went with Walker Zimmerman. You know, everyone sort of looked down on Nashville when they coughed up all that cash for Walker Zimmerman, sent it to LAFC. Now, that trade does look a little one-sided, but not in the direction everybody thought. I think people are questioning why LAFC gave him up in the first place because their defense definitely took a bit of a hit on the other side of things Nashville they looks great defensively and it's clear that Zimmerman is the is a leader of the team if not the leader of the team along with probably Dax McCarty so just super impressed by what he's been able to do with that expansion side and to help lead them into one of the best defenses in the league I want to say Columbus probably let in fewer goals so props to Nashville for picking up Zimmerman and Good on Walker Zimmerman, man. I I wasn't very high on him, but he's clearly proven that he's a very good defender in this league.
1: Fully agree. Uh, Now let's move on to the Newcomer of the Year Award. Uh, Dan, you will go last because you chose my player as well. Let's start with... You know what, we'll just start with Drew from now on because he's just unique for every single pick.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, happy to start, happy to start. I went with Alon Pulido which we haven't really talked about at all on this podcast because we've talked more about how we don't talk about Sporting Kansas City. But he's missed a lot this year. He's only started 11 games. He's played in 12. But in those 11 games that he started, he's got six goals and five assists. So he's, again, on that same pace as Jordan Morris is averaging a goal or an assist per game. Um, And even though we don't talk a lot about Sporting Kansas City, Uh, I mean, they're top of the West, right? And I think he's a big part of that. The time that he was on the field, while it was limited, he made sure that it was very productive, Um, especially given how close that top spot in the West came to be. I mean, the only reason Sporting Kansas City has it is because they have one more win than Seattle. They're tied on points, and Seattle even has a better goal differential. But they have 12 wins compared to Seattle's 11, so Sporting gets the number one seed. So I thought... He did not talk a lot about him, but when he was on the field, he was productive, and he made the uh, sporting better, and I think, see where it goes from here, see if he can keep it going in the playoffs, but I thought he had a really awesome season, uh, given how much he missed. Uh, Josh, you're up next, so who did you pick for your Newcomer of the Year?
3: I went with Lucas el from Columbus Crew, he played in 16 games started 12 he was dealing with a bit of injuries and only played about a thousand minutes and he still got six goals and four assists in this 10,000 or a thousand minutes not 10,000 minutes um yeah you know Columbus again they're just one of the better teams in the league you know obviously they're are you know about the same five or six teams we keep mentioning the players from because those are the best teams in the league and Columbus is one of those and Zellerion definitely played a big factor. You know, it's unfortunate that he was dealing with some of those injuries. You know, I think everybody would have wanted to see a little bit more of him this season. And so hopefully he can can put together a full healthy season next year. But I'm looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs and seeing what he can do. He is such an integral part of the crew, really the creative force behind their attack. And uh, he really proved it this year. So he was my pick. I thought that he was slightly more deserving than the the other two finalists and who knows maybe he'll get the award this is one of those that needs to be announced but leads me to the other finalist in this that Dan picked tell us about uh, your ch- your choice Dan
4: yeah with Robert Barich uh from the Chicago Fire uh, even though Chicago didn't make the playoffs I still think that Robert Barich was the guy who kept them basically relevant uh in the playoff discussion uh without him I don't think they would have even come close to qualifying uh for the playoffs obviously they didn't but yeah, I just think without him, uh, they would have been worse off than they they already were this season. And he scored 12 goals this season, which is pretty impressive uh, for a guy in his first league, uh, first season in the league. So that's why I picked him. Wow, I
3: did not realize he scored that many goals. Like I knew he'd scored a few goals this year, but I didn't realize he'd scored 12. That's seriously impressive.
4: Yeah, he's he snuck up the uh, Golden Boot standings there the last few weeks because he wasn't scoring that many at the start of the season, but. He scored, I think, uh, let's see, f- yeah, four goals in his last five appearances. So nice. That's good he picked him. up the pace. That's good
1: for him. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much recency bias is going to come into play with this award because LRI had a very good start at MLS's back if you can remember the free kick, but it'll be interesting to see. I could see this award going any two ways because I don't think Polito played enough to get it, but let's finish off our awards before we jump into the playoffs with the coach of the year where we have... Drew, and everybody else. Um, Drew, we'll start off with you because you're unique, as usual. Um, who did you select who will definitely not win the award, but honestly probably could? He
2: totally could, and because when when we've been talking about this podcast, there, there's been several different there's been a handful of teams that we've talked about, right? We've talked a lot about Columbus Crew players. We've talked a lot about Philadelphia Union players. We've mentioned one Orlando City player, and he's a rookie, and Josh mentioned him, Daryl DK. And despite not all of that Orlando City attention, they're one of the best teams in the East, and I think you can't look at that and not give credit to Oscar Pereja for what he's done in Orlando. This is a team that had not made the playoffs. And now they're looking. What are they? The three seed, four seed. A pretty bad end to the season, but still that can't overshadow. Took him to MLS's back final. They lost to Portland, but this is a team that had not made the playoffs. Um, took him to the final in this crazy year. And again, you don't. I mean, Daryl, D. K. Nani are these big Thomas Mueller, but, like these aren't big name players that you expect to show up. And again, we haven't talked a whole lot about these players in awards. But despite that. He's made them what they are, and whether they'll win MLS Cup, we'll find out when we talk about predictions, but Orlando City, one of the best teams in the league, one of the best in the East, and I don't think that happens with Oscar Perea. Granted, everyone else's pick uh, has a pretty good resume, I think a pretty good reason to win it, but I think Perea has done a lot with not as much talent as other coaches have, and excited to see what he does in the playoffs, but I gave Oscar Perea out, my coach of the year, even though the Atlanta United fan in me hated typing every letter of that man's name but he he's a great manager he's made orlando city one of the best teams in the league and we'll see how it goes in playoffs and we'll see how it carries over into 2021 we'll see if orlando city becomes a force in the league for years to come so i went with oscar preo
3: i think drew is making a really good case and it's making me sort of rethink my choice but i'll say this so i i picked jim Curtin. we all picked jim Curtin. all of us not named drew but for me personally, the tiebreaker between these two is the fact that Jim Curtin has worked towards this for so long. And I mean, the, the biggest thing that stands out to me is he changed his whole like tactics and formation base when Ernst Tanner came in. He went from playing a like pretty standard 4 4231, 3 4 possession based. He went from that to a four-four-two diamond that was all about the high press. And for him to adapt to that and then coach the team up to a supporter shield, I think is just outstanding. And he's just a great guy. And so I think because of that, Curtin gets the slight edge. Although what Perea has done in Orlando is really nothing short of a miracle because <laughs> honestly, the fact that it's taken Orlando six years to get into the playoffs – The fact that they've been through three or four coaches now, the fact that they've missed on so many players, and yet they have such a great fan base, such great support, and they've never capitalized on it. You could tell there was a big issue with the culture there, and clearly Pareja has turned things around. He has already started to put his print on the team and like Drew said, I, I really can't wait to see what he does in the playoffs the next year because what he's doing is is special. So Pareja really, you know, he did a fantastic job. I just think Curtin gets a slight edge for everything that he's done and all the struggles he's had to endure as Philadelphia's coach. He's been there for so long. We talked about it last week. He probably would have been fired if it was any other club. So for him to make it this far and, you know, just coach Philadelphia up to the Sports Shield is, is so impressive to me.
1: Yeah, Dan, do you have anything to add to that?
4: No, I just think it's great that he finally got a title with Philadelphia, especially for uh, being the coach there for so long, and he's done it with homegrown players, too, which is really great to see. They got Aronson going to Europe now, and then maybe McKenzie, and then Fontana had a really good season, too, who's a homegrown player. So it's just great to see that club finally kind of take off now and uh, get their first big title in MLS.
1: Fully agreeing. I honestly completely forgot that Orlando won MLS's back. So... We'll see whether or not that actually plays into it, but...
2: Runner-up in MLS is back.
1: Oh, he was runner-up, right. Yeah. Right. It's. I'm tired. It's okay, <laughs> that,
3: felt like, that feels like years ago at this point.
1: Literally. It's been the longest three months, four months. If that. All right, let's move on to the playoffs, because we're 54 minutes into the podcast, and we have, like, ten games to talk about. Um... But we'll start off with the games this coming weekend. Uh, in specifics, the play-in games, I guess, is what they're going to call them. Uh, first of all being New England Revolution versus the Montreal Impact. So what are your predictions for this match? Who do you think will move on uh, to the technically playoffs, I guess?
3: They're moving on to the next round, technically, from where they are.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one because technically they're not in the playoffs yet, in my opinion. But, I don't know, that's a discussion for another day. What are your guys' predictions for this game? Who do you think wins? Is it a revolution runaway? Does Montreal grind it out? Does Thierry Henry finally get a playoff win, kind of? Technically, I don't know what they're calling this. Um, but what are your predictions? Let's start with change it up, Dan.
4: Yeah, I think uh, I think New England will take this game. Uh, I was just looking through; it looks like most of their games have been close, though. When they played each other uh, this season, they've all been one goal differences. So, but I, I just think that Montreal uh, has been too inconsistent this season, and I think uh, the Revolution will take this one, uh, just because of the better team. I think. <laughs>
1: All right, Josh. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm with Dan. You look at the the results between these two teams this year, and even yeah, even though it's been close, it's clear that New England just have enough talent. You look at players like Carlos heal and Gustavo Bow, and even kind of Adam Buxa. He hasn't really lived up to the DP tag yet, I don't think. And obviously, you've got the difference maker in Matt Turner and goal. So when you've got those, you know, those designated players that can come through in the big moments, and you've got Matt Turner standing on his head and goal you know you got to give the edge to new england i think i do think it's interesting though with both of these head coaches you know Henri's going for his first ever playoff win as a head coach and then arena's going for his first playoff win with new england because they lost their opening round game against atlanta last year so it'll be interesting to see which one of these guys gets that win first.
2: yeah i went with the same bow i picked new england just because montreal's been limping into the playoffs so um not been good run of form as of late and then Bo, heel and buxa um all trying to get um back and form together after injuries kind of put off those three playing together um yeah i think dan said the best i think new england's just a better team and i think they'll get the win in this one
1: i concur all right let's talk about the next match national Nashville- so naturally
2: Montreal's gonna win like five nothing <laughs> now that, we all yeah, that
3: would be amazing <laughs> honestly just amazing montreal wins mls cup <laughs>
1: Um, no, please, (laughs) please no. Let's move on to the next match, Nashville versus Miami. Uh, Another, the two expansion sides, one of which will be guaranteed a spot into the first round of the playoffs. Who do you have winning this match? Do you have the DP stacked Miami or do you have the defensively solid Nashville? Uh, Let's start with Josh this time. Man,
3: this is this is a tough call. You look at Nashville and you you see a team, right? They're they're players playing together as a team. They've bought into what Gary Smith is coaching them to do. They don't have the glamour that Miami has, but obviously they've gotten it done. They've gotten the results. They've earned this home game. And then you look at Miami, and they've got all these designated players. And when it comes down to these single elimination games and these playoff games, you need those big players to come through in big moments. That being said, I personally am going to go with Nashville. I think defensively, they're just too tough to break down. They're going to get the one or two goals that they need to beat Miami. And going back to those big players that Miami has, none of them have really delivered. Probably just Pizarro. I don't think Matweedy has really delivered Higuain certainly has not delivered. He's got worse numbers than Chicharito. So I'm going to have to go with Nashville on this one and preemptively going to have to congratulate Nashville on being the first expansion team to win playoff game in 22 years.
1: All right, and next up we will go with Drew.
2: I am on the same side as Josh. I think Nashville's defense is going to get them through this game. Uh, like Josh mentioned, when you talk about the big players Miami has in these one-off games, if the big-name players show up, it's wonderful, and it can push you off on a run. If they don't show up, I really don't know what Miami's going to do. But N- Nashville is consistently good on defense. Um, yeah, it's not relying on one player to get the job done, and if that one player doesn't show up, then the whole thing crashes and burns. Um, I'm very excited to see Nashville's performance in these playoffs. So I'm going Nashville in this one. Dan, who are you picking between Nashville and Miami in this little play-in
4: game? I'm going to go with Miami. Uh I think uh I just think offensively if they can uh can gel and and get some goals, I think they can overpower Nashville. I also want to see a Philadelphia and Miami rematch uh after what happened with Iguodene in the last Ooh. in the last time they put each other. That would be spicy. I think that would be a great playoff uh a great playoff matchup, so that's why I'm picking Inter Miami. It's just solely for that reason, but uh, but yeah, that's that's my I got. <laughs> reason.
1: I'm gonna back Dan just for the story uh, because I think that would be amazing, and it's a big game. Walker Zimmerman can only do so much, so how much of an influence are Julian Carranza, Rudolfo Pizarro, Federico Higuain, and the other uh Higuain whose name I'm blanking Gonzalo on. um Gonzalo there we go thank you Gonzalo Higuain are gonna have on that match I think I think Miami's got a shot this is gonna be a very very good game to watch and I'm really looking forward to it uh but let's move on to some actual playoff games as opposed to the plan that things I guess uh starting at they're starting the games at 12 o'clock That is an interesting decision by MLS. But Orlando versus NYC FC. Um, Starting off 12 o'clock on Saturday. Who do you expect to take this match and move on to the second round? Do you expect the no-name, I guess, no big name apart from Nani, uh, Orlando SC? Or do you expect the... Aging stars, is it fair to call them that, in Maxi Morales and missing a DP in Hebert, uh and arguably, in my opinion, one of the best defensive midfielders in MLS in Alexander Ring. Uh, but we'll start with Drew this time. Who do you expect to win between Orlando and NYC FC?
2: Yeah, just when you were talking about random side note, 12 o'clock on a Saturday, I don't know how much these people are going to be watching. That's like college football time. I don't know if Central Florida has a football game Saturday afternoon, but that's an interesting decision that you bring up there, Connor. Um, but yeah, I'm going with NYCFC. I think when you look at the recent run of form between these two teams, Orlando City coming off that heartbreaker against Nashville, and NYCFC has won four straight games. And not only have they won four straight games, obviously that kind of, weird match against Chicago, Um, but they've scored a lot of goals in most of those games. The only game they did not score multiple goals, Connor probably remembers, because NYCFC beat Toronto 1-0, but they scored three against Montreal, five against the Red Bulls, and then four against Chicago. So I think they're rolling right now, and they're playing a pretty depleted Orlando City team who... Got beat by Nashville at the heart at the buzzer there. So because of that, I think NYCFC has been on a really good run of form lately. And I think that's going to carry over into the playoffs. So I am picking NYCFC to win that one. Uh, Josh, who do you have going through in that game?
3: You know, I think you bring up some extremely valuable points. Valid points, I guess, uh, in saying that NYCFC, are, they're on a roll. They got the momentum. But uh, I'm going Orlando in this one. I just I look back at what Prehaut did with this team in the MLS's back tournament. I think that's the most comparable situation that we have, and it's looking like Orlando will have at least some of their bigger players um, ready. It looks like uh, I think it's uh, Muller and Nani and Pereira are going to be able to play. So I am expecting Orlando to come through solely because they sort of have the I guess you know they have the will to overcome NYCFC. I think, but I, I do think it's going to be a good game and I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Dan, who do you have winning in this matchup?
4: I'm going with Orlando. Just based off what we saw in the MLS's back tournament, I think uh, they're going to be a really good playoff team. And NYCFC, I mean, they've been really good offensively lately, but I just think Orlando is going to come out with the, uh, with the right mindset to win this one.
1: Yeah, I concur with both Josh and Dan. Uh, I don't think NYCFC have the firepower in order to score goals.
3: Ironic that Drew was the only one of us to pick Pareja as coach of the year, and here he is, the only one not picking Orlando to go (laughs) through. It's MLS, man. (laughs) Parody. That's all we got going. That's a good good point. That's a very good point.
1: I just don't think NYCFC have the firepower to score enough uh, against Orlando. Uh, Their only striker is what? Castellanos? And Maxi Morales, who is injured all the time. Wait, you mean player of Did the month? five
3: against Red Bull You mean player of the month, Tati Castellanos? That one?
1: Yes, that one. I'm not going to hear it from you, bud. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to let you live that down. I am never going to let you live down the fact that Diego Rossi is a very good player. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I'm just going with Orlando. I think that they'll take it, uh, but I could honestly see this game going either way. Uh, Let's move on to the next game on Saturday, which is the only other game on Saturday because MLS schedule makers decided to play games at 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock as opposed to at night when people will actually watch. Uh, But Columbus versus New York Red Bull at 3 o'clock. Who do you guys have taking this one? Josh, we'll start with you.
3: I am going to go with Columbus Crew. I think that's who I picked in my bracket. Let me make sure. Yeah, yeah, I picked Columbus Crew in this one. Uh, I, you know, Red Bulls are in the playoffs again, and that's great and everything, but Columbus just have the talent. The only question I think is, will Columbus's best players be fully healthy and fully able to um you know imprint the game so i i think that columbus will come out on top i think it'll be kind of close and i that's that's just what i'm expecting i'm expecting talent to win out in this case uh, i'll go dan who do you think is going to win in this game
4: uh i think i'm gonna go with the new york red bulls i think you're gonna pull off the upset in this one uh they've they've been scoring goals like really late in games lately which i think uh could happen in this one i think it'll be a close one uh, there was like three straight games where they scored goals. Like I think after like the 85th minute or something. So I think if they're able to hold Columbus, uh, they could pull something off in the second half uh, with a late goal. They're just a really scrappy team right now that uh, doesn't seem to give up. And I think that's something that uh, will benefit them. And it looks like Ohio state's playing at 12. So props to MLS for uh, scheduling this at three o'clock. Cause like no one would watch this game probably if they, if they switched it. Yeah. I get those Columbus fans.
1: okay my logic though why aren't you playing at night
3: the bigger college football games big college
2: football games happen at night
1: we're really gonna give in to college football (laughs) what oh buddy this is the united states yes we (laughs) are that is true
3: (laughs) football versus soccer or football versus football whatever you want (laughs) to
1: that is true all right drew who did you pick
2: yeah i went the same route as dan i went with the new york red bulls i think this is gonna be a close game this is a hard one to pick Um, it was kind of just a flip a coin game but Columbus I mean the only reason I think that they beat Philadelphia was because they played their goalkeeper and I think you look at the pass result I'm not taking anything away from beating Atlanta United because it's Atlanta United Uh, they lost to Orlando City even though Orlando City was down to 10 men as of late so this game it's gonna be one of the closer ones this was the I went back and forth on making this pick um, but I went with the Red Bulls on this one
1: I disagree with both you and Dan. Uh, I think it will be Columbus. I think they're the better team. And I think they just possess more talent. Uh, As simple as that. So let's move on to the next game. Our first game of the Western Conference. Sunday at 4 o'clock Eastern. By the way, all these times are in Eastern. uh, For you Pacific listeners. Or Mountain listeners. Or wherever else you're listening to this. I think we've had listeners like out in Europe or something. Um, But... SKC versus San Jose. I'd argue potentially one of the toughest games to pick because I think San Jose is a massive wild card, but I want to hear all of your logic in terms of who you selected. We will start with not Josh because I know he's going to go on some sort of rant. Instead, we will go with Dan. Cause I don't think we've started with you in a while.
4: Uh, whew, I'm going to go with sporting Kansas city. Uh, I mean, it'd be great if San Jose won. I mean, that'd be incredible. I mean, these guys were losing, like, you know, 5-0 on a weekly basis, it seemed there for a while. So, I think it'd just be an incredible story. Like, that's just wild to me that they're even in the playoffs period. But, uh, no, I, th- I think Sporting Kansas City is just a better team. I think now that Polito's back, that's really helped them. Uh, Gotti of has been really good as well, so... I just think they have the quality to uh, overpower San Jose in this one, but uh, it's been a nice run from San Jose. So too bad they didn't get maybe a higher seed and able to keep
1: it going. But yeah. All right. Drew, who is your selection?
2: Yeah, I'm sticking with Dan on this one. I think either San Jose pulls, the greatest upset of all time and beat Sporting Kansas City six to nothing, or we see an absolute <laughs> beatdown, and SKC beats them seven to nothing. And I'm leaning more towards SKC getting the beatdown. Um, like Dan said, it's kind of remarkable, and I think a product of Well, no, no, yeah, they got the eight seed, yeah. So yeah, I think Sporting Kansas City is just a better team. And fun fact, I I've, I've been like concerned about scheduling now. Uh Kansas City Chiefs play eight twenty on Sunday night. So it's gonna be a good day for Kansas City. <laughs> They're gonna watch SKC get the win. They're going to see Pat Mahomes destroy the Las Vegas Raiders that night. So Kansas City, it's going to have a good day. So I'm picking supporting Kansas City. Josh, who do you have within that game?
3: I can't speak for the Raiders-Chiefs game, which I think is going to be a good game. I think the Raiders have been playing pretty well.
2: Pat Mahomes.
3: Oh, I know. He's my fantasy quarterback. He's my guy. (laughs) That being said, uh, definitely going with San Jose here. Uh, for a few reasons one. I don't know how sporting kansas city got this top seed. I don't know how they got here I've been saying that for weeks. I will continue saying it. I don't understand how they did this but I Yes, san jose are like the most jekyll and a hyde team in the league they can go from Winning a game like four to one to losing a game like seven to two like literally in consecutive games but Almeida has always had success in knockout tournaments. He did it with Chivas. He did it with, uh, I can't remember the other Liga MX team he coached. Um, And I think he did well in the Libertadores when he was coaching down in Argentina. He even did pretty well with San Jose in the MLS's back tournament a couple months ago. And this is largely the same team. So I'm going to go with San Jose on this one. I think they'll get the upset. I even have them advancing to the conference semis. no, the conference final. sorry. (laughs) I have them going to the Final Four. We don't have to get into that right now, but I think they will be able to beat Sporting Kansas City. I just don't think... I don't think SKC is good enough to overcome it.
1: That will be our discussion next week when San Jose get absolutely demolished, (laughs) like I think they will, by SKC because we don't give them nearly enough credit and they won the West. How? How? (laughs) You see... That's the thing is they're a quietly solid team. So I think as a quietly solid team, they're gonna fit well in the playoffs and Polito will do well. and yeah, I'm going SKC as well, but that will be a very interesting game to watch. Uh, next up we have Minnesota versus Colorado who debatedly shouldn't be facing Minnesota. Uh, you could probably argue that pretty strongly. But who do you guys have as the winner of the Minnesota-Colorado game, which is at 7.30? We will start with Drew.
2: Yeah, and scheduling, it's not a whole lot of conflicts as far as NFL games go. So credit to MLS. But I'm going with the Colorado Rapids because they've won the last three games. They're not – two of those three games were against some of the best teams in the West. they smacked Seattle 3-1. to one. And they beat Portland 1-0, and they finished the job against the Dynamo, winning 2-1. Last time these two teams played wasn't that long ago. It was late October, and Minnesota did get the win. But I think Colorado, I think just this late push that they had to go through to just to make it in the playoffs has is, is kind of sparked a fire under the Rapids, and they've had to do it against some really good teams. So my, I love Minnesota United. I want them to do so good, so bad. I love that they sing Wonderwall after wins. Um, but... Colorado's been doing really good against really good teams and I think it's going to carry over pretty well into the playoffs so I am saying the Colorado Rapids win this one.
1: All right, Josh, where are you going with?
3: I will say I want Colorado to win as a as a franchise that just struggled so much since I started following MLS in the last 4 or 5 years, you know, I, I just I want them to succeed, you know, I feel bad for them. That being said, I'm going to go with Minnesota. I just think that since they'll be playing at home and I I I just trust the way Minnesota Bunkers just they, just they sit back, they find the right chance to come forward on a counterattack, and that's all they need to do, and I think they'll really be they'll, they'll really be going after that first ever playoff win for the franchise, and I think that'll be enough to to inspire them to advance past Colorado.
1: All right, and Dan, wrap us up with the Minnesota Colorado game.
4: Uh, I think I'm going to go with Colorado in this one. Uh, they've been playing pretty well the last few weeks. So yeah, I, I think that'll help them a lot. And it, it should be a really close game. I think this one probably will go to extra time. I'm thinking just because I could see both teams scoring goals in this one. and Maybe it'll be a 2-1 finish or something. But yeah, I just think Colorado uh, has some good momentum heading into this game.
1: I am back in Colorado as well because, as you know, I like a lot of the teams, teams players on Colorado, including Nicholas Benazet, who I'm a big fan of. And I think that the added rest in between October, when they all caught COVID, will potentially help. But who knows, because COVID is so unpredictable. And wear a mask, everybody. Uh, Our next game is at... 10 o'clock on Sunday it is between Portland and Dallas I feel like I know who everyone's going to pick for this game but I'll start with Dan because you are the most wild card in my opinion of who you will select so (laughs) who are you going with in the Portland-Dallas game
4: uh I'm gonna go with Portland's uh I don't know though I mean I think this one could be another potential upset but i just think that they're uh even without niazgota and sebastian blanco i think they can make a good playoff run and they'll be at home so yeah i just don't think fc dallas uh has enough to match them in this one and i think portland's uh, experience in the playoffs and the mls's back tournament winning that will uh give them a lot of confidence that they can uh, do well in the playoffs
1: all right drew you are second in terms of the wildcard picks on this one so who are you going with
2: Everything Dan just said makes a lot of sense, and there should be no reason FC Dallas wins this game, but just because it's MLS, and because I want to have the perfect bracket, and I want to be different, I picked FC Dallas, and because, as we'll talk about in a later thing, I I don't see a Cascadia matchup happening in the playoffs, I don't think it's going to happen. So there's no reason why FC Dallas should win this game. I think Portland's a better team. It is interesting though with the outness go to Blanco. I don't know what the status on Abobasi is because he hasn't been healthy toward the end of the season. So a lot of injuries up in the air for Portland. But I I really have nothing to back this pick. I just think it's MLS. It's crazy and I'm kind of going like a March Madness type mindset here. Like if a 16 can beat a one in basketball, like why can't a six beat a three in MLS? So FC Dallas. That's who I'm picking.
1: All right, I told you you were going to be out there. Next up, finally, Josh. I I do think
3: Dallas could push Portland, just like they pushed last year's MLS Cup champions, Seattle, in the first round. On the road, they did that in Seattle, and and obviously we will be going on the road here in Portland. I I think Dallas could push them, but, I mean, no. Portland just has enough talent, and you know like like dan said D- dallas just doesn't have the firepower and, and you look and their best players and the are young players but those young players also don't have experience in these high pressure single elimination games these high pressure situations and that's why i think portland's gonna have the edge on this also they have diron asperia that guy is mr november like he's gonna come through he always does so you just can't i just don't think you can go against portland in this situation
1: I agree, and you say, oh, but SC Dallas pushed Seattle last year. Yes, they also had Reggie Cannon. That's true. And they no longer have Reggie and Cannon. And Paxton
3: Pomichol in that game, and he's not available now
1: either. Exactly. So I don't think this will be very close, and I think Portland will take it. Um, but we'll move on to... Do we want to do these games? I will... S- I think we'll have Dan do these games and we'll talk about these games next week. And these games specifically being the play-in team versus Toronto or Philadelphia. So Dan, I'll just get your opinions on these two. Josh and Drew, will talk about this next week. So you'll have to tune in next week to get our thoughts on whether or not Toronto and Philadelphia will win so I can go on a rant about how Toronto will be healthy. Uh, But Dan... Who do you have in the Toronto versus Nashville, New England, or Montreal game on Tuesday night at 6 o'clock?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think Toronto will win this one pretty handily. I don't, I don't really see how any of those teams could, could beat Toronto uh, on the road. And plus, I mean, it's a pretty quick turnaround there from Friday night to Tuesday. So, I, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be tired after that, especially since they haven't played uh, this past week either. I don't know if that's going to affect them at all, but yeah, I just can't see Toronto losing that one. And then I can't see Philadelphia losing to. Hopefully it's Miami, but if not, someone else. I they're, they're not going to lose. They're uh, they're nine and zero at home, so they haven't even wow. lost or even drawn a match this season at home. So I that, that I think is going to be a really big storyline in the playoffs for them is if they can uh, keep winning at home. I didn't think Hope field advantage is even going to like matter in twenty twenty because there's really no one there, but apparently it does. So good for them. But uh, and then the last one. As much as I want to pick LAFC, I, I don't think they're going to beat Seattle. Uh, you know, I just think Seattle is a really good playoff team. They obviously won last season, and for them to exit in the first round would be devastating. So I don't think they're going to let that happen.
1: I do find it interesting that you say Toronto FC have a home game, because I'd argue that they don't have any home games, and they haven't had a home oh, game right. since...
4: I completely forgot like, the uh, borders closed for, like, ever. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's... <laughs>
1: Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do when they come back, and hopefully they'll have a lot of players uh, return. But well, I'll ask you two about the Seattle LAFC game because we actually know who the teams are, uh, and we can wrap up with this. Uh, but who do you have? Uh, we'll start with Josh. Um, who do you have winning the Seattle versus LAFC game on Tuesday night at ten thirty?
3: Before that, just want to say, I didn't know about the, the Philadelphia stat, which means they're going to win MLS Cup, right? Because they have home field advantage in the playoffs. So they're like, they've won every single home game. That means, I'm just kidding. This is MLS. There's no way it's going to happen. They're um, going to lose in the first <laughs> round. You know no. This uh, so Seattle LAFC, I I feel like more than ever, LAFC is is equipped for this kind of game. You know, last year it was really easy to say like oh they might not get past the Galaxy and then they did and then you know we saw what happened against the Sounders and then this year though LAFC kind of exercised those demons um, in MLS's back that being said I just don't think LAFC can overcome the international players they'll be missing they'll still have Atuesta and Vela and Wright Phillips and all that all those key players but I just think Seattle's gonna have that, that slight edge, you know, they they're going to have Raul Rui Diaz, which is a big deal, because that dude could beat LAFC single handedly. So when you have Rui Diaz and Lodero and Morris, I mean, those guys just know how to show up in big games. It's why Seattle has been the three of the last four MLS Cups and won two of those three. They just they know what they're doing. So I do give the edge to Seattle in this case, but only because LAFC are gonna be missing those couple
4: international players.
1: I think I'm starting to see tears form in Dan's eyes with everything you're saying.
4: No, I'm already mentally prepared yes, for the loss. Yes, that is the attitude. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's going to happen.
1: Uh,
4: I mean, I'll, I'll still tune in, <laughs> but I'm not going to get my hopes up at all. With the yeah. luck
1: that LA has had this season with sports, ignoring the NHL, LAFC should win this, but this MLS Cup, but it's MLS, so we have no idea ever. And making a bracket at this point is probably pointless. But...
4: It's probably gonna be Miami. I mean
1: <laughs> Exactly. Um but We we
4: can we can throw a party for Brexhe
1: yes. when
3: he wins oh, the title. You know
4: I would love that
1: actually. <laughs> if we we need to get Brexche on this podcast at some point. I think that would be unbelievable. Um but Drew, let's wrap I'll let you wrap us up. Who do you have winning LAFC against Seattle?
2: Yeah, I think yeah, everyone said it best Seattle. I just can't see them going out in the first round. Until they do, I think Seattle's just more experienced. They know how to do this, and I think it'll work again Um, again, against LAFC. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a good one. I'm excited to stay up late on a Tuesday night to watch some MLS because that's just how it's working right now. Um, But, yeah, thanks, Dan, so much for joining us on the podcast and to talk all things MLS. We really enjoyed having you. Um, And as always, guys, please visit MLSMultiplex.com to check out a lot of really awesome, good written articles, from our writers as playoffs get started um, and eventually get to MLS cup to see who is the champion and
1: Connor. I just wanted to say before we wrap up, everyone should join the MLS multiplex bracket league, uh, which we've started. Dan will be joining hopefully momentarily, Um, but we have Josh drew and Ivan who was supposed to be on this episode, but unfortunately uh, some stuff got in the way of that. Uh, We have Cameron. Uh, We have former site head, Nathan Reynolds. Um, we have Hilaria Muniz, who's appeared on the podcast in the predictions episode. Uh, who else do we have on here? We'll see if anyone else has joined in the time of us recording. Um, uh, we have, oh wow, we've actually gotten a lot of people, or we, we have gotten one, two people, uh, who I don't actually know. So that's always a good thing, um, but get involved, join the league, please. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to add. Just, Daniel, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's weird knowing a Michigan guy from Michigan who is a fan of the LAFC, but Drew, I'll let you yeah. actually take us out this time.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: thanks again um, to Dan for coming on and joining. And yeah, join the bracket um, to see if you get the magical perfect bracket. And you can find Connor tweeted out, and you can find Connor's Twitter at CWG Somerville. And you can find myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore bowl and you can find dan at D garza 42 Um, in the website at mls multiplex so be sure to visit us on social media to catch takes throughout mls cup playoffs and yeah thanks again for tuning in and we will see you guys next week
1: thank you for listening to the mls multiplex podcast Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Done.